this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, the Bible gives us very clear signs and signals that will help us know when the end of the earth is approaching and also indicating when Jesus will come back. Jesus said that when you see a lot of deception, this would be a sign of the end times. Well, we see loads of deception, lies, misinformation in the news and from politicians. Other signs include people who claim to be a prophet of God, but instead of leading people closer to God, they lead people away from God. Other signs are include wars and natural disasters. While it is important to know what these signs are, more importantly, we need to know how to react to these signs. Do we cower in fear? Do we run away and hide? Do we give up on Jesus when persecution hurts us? When you study Matthew 24, Jesus provides us with the signs and signals of his return. But he also shows us what we need to do and how we need to react when we see these signs taking place. Jesus tells us that when we see these signals, to not let our hearts be troubled. Don't let worry and fear overtake you. He tells us to stand firm and never ever give up. He tells us to rely exclusively on his word during these times. So listen in, but I really want you to be encouraged because Jesus is coming back soon. start Matthew 24 verse 1 Jesus left the temple picture Jesus walking away from that beautiful temple that Herod had built had really refurbished and, and extended and made it magnificent he's walking away from this temple and his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the buildings so can you imagine Jesus is walking away his disciples come up to him and turn him around and say look Look at how magnificent this temple is. This is amazing. The temple court and all the uh, kind of auxiliary buildings that are around it. And Jesus asks them and he says, do you see all of these things? And I'm sure the disciples said, yeah, we're the ones bringing it to your attention. He said, truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Now, what an amazing prediction. You know what you call a prediction in the Bible? You call it a prophecy, a prediction, a prophecy. And Jesus was prophesying or predicting the future of the temple, but not only of the temple, he was predicting the future of Jerusalem. Because just about 35 years later, his prophecy came true. The word of God always comes true. 35 years later, approximately, the Romans laid siege to Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. And it is what it is. It is today what it was back then. A simple uh, foundation was all that was left. And that's why many Jews uh, practice going to the what we call the Wailing Wall, the foundation of the temple there, and they, they cry because of its destruction. Did you know that there's short-term prophecies, there's mid-term prophecies, and then there's prophecies that are distant. They're, they're, they're not going to be fulfilled possibly for many, many years. And here what Jesus uh, did was kind of a mid-term prophecy. He said, this temple is going to be destroyed. And sure enough, in about three decades later, that, that did take place. 
But listen to this verse in Amos 3.7. It says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. Nothing. God does nothing before first revealing it to someone that he trusts in. And, and this is what we see in this day and age. God is still revealing to you. Did you know that God wants to reveal at least a glimpse of your future to you? He wants to reveal a glimpse of your future to you so that you'll know what your purpose is in life, what, your, what he's going to do through you and in you in life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look today at the signs. See, Jesus, uh, through this chapter, gave several signs or signals of what the end of the world was going to be like. And, and then not only that, he told us what we could do about it. The signs of the end of the world and what we can do as we begin to see those signs appear. Many of them were already seen. So we see in verse 3 of chapter 24 in Matthew, we read on, it says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, Tell us. When will this happen? When will the temple be destroyed? And they understood it was a little bit more significant than just the temple being destroyed. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? What will be the signs? We need to be alert as to what the signs are. Jesus is telling us in advance, what are those signs? What are those signals so we can be aware? Oh my goodness, Jesus is coming soon. What are the signs? What are those signals? In verse 4, Jesus told his disciples the very first sign. He said, watch out that no one deceives you. Watch out that no, one's de one, no one deceives you. One of the signals or signs that Jesus is coming soon and that the end of the earth is coming soon, as we know it, is that there will be mass deception. There will be a lot of lies and today, we even see that occurring. Fake news. Now, that's touted by certain political parties here and there. But the reality is, is much of the news that we see today are, in fact, lies or deceptive. Google is slowly but surely favoring one search over another. If you look for certain uh, certain things on Google, it's harder to find than other things. Social media bots are pumping out biased news, even from other countries into America, into the U.S., and we see politicians openly lying. Deception is a sign of the times. In John 8:44, Jesus refers to the devil and he says, the devil is a liar, essentially, <laughs> he says he was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. So if somebody's, somebody's lying, they've been, they've been encouraged to do so by the devil himself because there is no truth in him, goes on John 8, When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. What is a sign of Jesus coming soon? Lies deception, false information. You know, there's a, a great example of this. There's a social deception in the United States that's very prevalent. And it's this. Here's the deception. It's good for you to be dependent on others. That's the deception 
that we see every day, all day long, and it's encouraged by our government. You need to be dependent on someone. That's the deception. The truth is God doesn't want you to have to be dependent on anybody but on him. God wants you to be dependent. He wants you to be self-sufficient through your dependence on God. That's the truth that, that, that obliterates the lie. Galatians 6.5 says, For each one of us should carry our own load. God wants you to be able to cope with many of your own problems, with many of your own challenges. He wants you to carry your own load. Now it does say in Galatians 6 2, just a couple of verses above this, it says, carry each other's burdens. But how can I carry someone's, someone else's burdens if they're not carrying their own load? You see, God wants you to be self-sufficient. And when life gets too hard, that's where the church comes in and says, here, let me help you out. But you still have to carry your own load. God wants you to be self-sufficient. That's why in 1 Thessalonians 4.11 it says, um, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business. What does that mean to mind your own business? That means take care of your own needs to the best of your your ability. The government should never have to subsidize our living until maybe we get into our older years. God wants us to be self-sufficient, to carry our own load, to mind our own business. And then 1 Thessalonians 4.11 goes on. It says, to work with your own hands, just as we told you. See, the deception is you need help. The truth is God is your help. Now go out and make it happen. And that's why the Bible says, um, you can, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It says, I can do all things. God wants us to be self-sufficient. So there's an example of social deception at work that's so prevalent in our society, in the American society. So many of us looking to be disabled so we can collect a check. When God's saying, you're not disabled, you can get up and you can go make it happen. You can work hard with your own hands. You're not disabled. Don't listen to people telling you you're disabled. Now, clearly there's some who are totally disabled and they deserve that level of support but most americans are not disabled and shouldn't be looking for disability but here's the ultimate deception in isaiah 5:20 it says woe to those who call evil good and call good evil what a tragedy that's the ultimate deception and i want to ask you a question that i'm not going to answer I want you to answer it for yourself, and it's this. What things in our country are we calling good that are actually evil? Think in your mind. At least come up with a thing or two, and if you're writing notes, write down. What is it in this country that this country calls good that you and I, we know it's evil? That deception needs to be peeled back, and the truth needs to shine through. Here's another question. What things in our country are we calling evil? Does this country call evil that are actually good? Write some things down and think about them this week because that's the ultimate deception is when we start calling evil things good and calling good things evil. That's the ultimate deception. Let's continue reading on though in Matthew 
24. Now we're in verse 5. It says, For many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And if we skip down to verse 11, it's not only people claiming to be the Messiah, but also many false prophets will appear deceiving. And it says, Many people. Many people. There'll be those who claim to be Jesus and deceive many. There'll be those who claim to be a prophet of God and deceive many. Well, I'll tell you, I looked up on Wikipedia and there's, there's numerous uh, folks during the 1900s that claimed to be Jesus. There's been a handful in, in, in the 2000s already that have claimed to be Jesus, but not deceiving many. They didn't have a wide, broad group of people, like millions of people following them. But what has deceived many has been false prophets. And I'll call them out Muhammad, Joseph Smith, specifically deceiving millions of people. But what this verse tells us is, look, be careful. There's going to be people who actually claim to be Jesus and deceive many. This is going to be a sign that the end of the world is coming and that Jesus is coming back very, very soon. All right, well, let's read on in verse 6. Here's another sign that Jesus is coming soon, that this world is going to end as we know it. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But you know what I like the rest of this verse? It says, but see to it that you are not alarmed. This verse is saying, you see to it that you are not alarmed. You know what your biggest enemy is? It's fear. Your biggest enemy is not sickness that you or your loved one has. It's not the fact that you don't have enough money in the bank. That's not your enemy. It's not that, that you're at odds with your spouse. Fear is your biggest enemy. And you need to start confronting your fear and saying, I'm not going to be fearful at all with God's help I resist fear it says you see it that you do not be alarmed so what so remember what we're talking about here not only the signs of the end of the world but what do you do about it and here's the first thing that you do about it you see to it that you're not alarmed in second chronicles we've read the scripture before second chronicles 20 verse 3 Jehoshaphat had all these armies coming against Jerusalem and here's this what this verse says he said alarmed Jehoshaphat re resolved to inquire of the Lord what do you do when you begin to be fearful and alarmed you inquire of the Lord of the Lord you see to it that you are not alarmed in John 14 1 it says do not let your hearts be troubled do not let them be troubled. Do not allow alarm and fear and worry and panic to take over in your life. You resist that fear. You resist that alarm. And you resolve to inquire of the Lord. It says there in, in, in John 14, 1, I didn't finish that verse quite yet. It says, you believe in God, believe also in me. There are some people, as I've mentioned, they believe in President Trump. They might believe in Biden. You know what? We believe in Jesus. That's a lot stronger thing to believe in and to hold fast in tune. So what do you do? How do you chase out alarm and fear out of your out of your life? This is a lesson I have learned. I practiced it on Thursdays. I was going through a little thing for myself. 
I, I could have been a little bit alarmed, but you know what I resolved to do? Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. What do you do when you start seeing the sign of the times? You see the end of the world approach, and you see that Jesus is coming back soon. You rejoice so that you won't be alarmed. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. But this ver- this this. Uh, Scripture here in Matthew 24, as we read on, it says such things must happen. What? Rumors of war. Wars must happen. These things must happen, but the end is still to come. What is this verse saying? This is saying you aren't in the end times. You're coming up towards the end times. These things must happen, but the end is still to come. The end isn't here yet, and many people do this. You get into prophecy, you start reading Revelations or Daniel, or you read this chapter here in Matthew, and you say, oh, it's the end of the world. No, it's not. The end of the world is not here yet. We have many things yet to accomplish. We have many people to reach yet for Jesus. We have many good works to accomplish and purposes to, to, to fulfill for Jesus. It says, nation will rise up against nation. I'm in verse 7 now of Matthew 24. Nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom will rise up against kingdom. There will be famines, and there will be earthquakes in various places, but these are just signs of the end of the time. Look at this, famines and earthquakes. Call it natural disasters. These hurricanes that are pounding the gulf. It used to be every couple of years, every third year. Now it seems like every year they're getting pounded. Florida, the East Coast, natural disasters. There's been famines and recent famines and even ongoing famines in Somalia and Sudan and Nigeria. Almost 30 million people affected by this ongoing famine, especially in, I believe it's in West Africa. Um, earthquakes, most notably earthquakes in Haiti and China, Chile, Indonesia, California. Earthquakes, a sign of the times. I'll never forget sitting in my bedroom and feeling a, a shake. I felt it. And this was just a, like six months ago. A shake. I saw the, a little hanging plant kind of move and I thought, what was that? And then we heard on the news that there was a a tremor in El Paso. These are signs of natural disasters or sign of the times. But you know what natural disasters do? They make you put your eyes on God because natural disasters are bigger than what science can resolve, bigger than what the government can resolve. They're bigger than what any group of humans could ever take care of. Only God can save us in a natural disaster. And so it takes our eyes off of all the things that we rely on and we call out to God, Almighty God, help me, because you see how huge nature can be and how harmful and impactful it can be. That's why we look at Psalms 46. Man, this has been my chapter this week. Psalms 46, God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. God is ever-present and helpful to us in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, look at this natural disaster, the earth, earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, 
and the mountains quake with their surging. God is our refuge. God is our strength. What do you do as you see the end of the times? You say, God is my refuge. God is my strength. I am unshakable in him. Look at this. I love this verse in Psalms 37, verse 19. It says, in times of disaster, you will not wither. In times of COVID, you will not wither. In days specifically of famine, you will enjoy plenty. If there's ever a famine that comes to the United States, let me tell you what, we who are in Christ, we will have plenty according to the Bible. Isn't that awesome? And that's not only a famine of food, there can be a famine of anything. You know, in times of famine, God's servants will enjoy plenty. Isn't that encouraging? But Jesus goes on in verse 8 of, of Matthew 24, says all of these, uh, all these, all these signs, in other words, are the beginning of birth pains, are the beginning of birth pains. Again, I, I would tell you, I submit to you, we're not in the end times. We're headed towards the end of times. We're seeing signs that the end times are coming, but we're not there quite yet. We have a lot of work to accomplish, a lot of things to do. But here's another sign. You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. Oh my goodness, did I hear that right? Put to death as Christians. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. One of the signs of the end of the age of Jesus' return is that we as Christians, we will be persecuted. 1 Thessalonians 3, 4, Paul makes no bones about it. He tells them, you're going to be persecuted. In fact, kind of looking back, he says, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you, we will be persecuted. <laughs> he told them. And I'm telling you, be prepared. As a Christian, you will be persecuted. It's not a matter to be fearful of. It's just a fact of life. All right? It says, and it turned out that way, as you well know. These Thessalonians, they were warned, and then it happened, and they could look back and say, hey, it did happen. But you know what? Here's the deal. All right? If fear immediately rises in your mind as I'm telling you this, guess what? You're already being persecuted. <laughs> if there's not somebody hateful around you, the devil is around you all the time. He persecutes you in your thoughts. He persecutes you with sickness. He persecutes you with financial lack. He persecutes you with worries, with fear. He is constantly persecuting you. So be joyful because you're being persecuted, you have been persecuted, and you will be persecuted. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb. I don't think it's too different for the devil to persecute me directly head on without any human intervention as it is with a human themselves to be persecuting me. It's equally as bad. And, and uh, I've not gone through torture. I've not gone through anything like that. But you know what? Persecution's persecution. The torture of the mind is the torture of the mind. And you know what? God wants to provide with us a way of escape so that we may bear up under it. But at the end of the day, this is a sign that the end of the times are coming. Our daily persecution that we deal with from the enemy himself. Verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. 
Well, the reason, a big reason why people are going to turn away is because the persecution comes. A lot, the Bible talks about it. Jesus talks about it. You give your heart to the Lord, and then hard times come, and you say, this isn't worth it. I'm going to go back to my old ways. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And people will turn away from the Lord because of persecution. I pray that anybody hearing this message would buckle up and say, you know what, I'm not going back to my old ways. I already know what that was like. A little persecution isn't going to stop me from drawing close to God. I'm going to keep on with God even if it's hard. Even if I run up and stub my toe a couple of times, trip up a couple of times, have somebody say something hateful to me, I'm going to keep on with God. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to turn away from God. But it says many false prophets will appear, and I already told you this, deceiving many. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Here's another sign of the end of the age approaching, of Jesus' return being right around the corner, the increase of selfishness and wickedness. The increase of selfishness and wickedness. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, write this one down if you would. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5, here's what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy as the Apostle Paul is contemplating martyrdom. Not just persecution, but martyrdom. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, here's what we're talking about, the last days, there will be times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. That's selfishness. Lovers of self. Think of all the selfies, my word, on Instagram and Facebook. People constantly focusing on themselves. Lovers of self. Lovers of money. Proud. Arrogant. Abusive. How many of us have suffered abuse? The abuse level is going up in our country, in our world. It's a sign of the times. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. I think of this one. How many people receive uh, you know, a good thing from our government or a good thing from, from a family member and they're ungrateful? Let me tell you what, when God gives us something good, we need to be grateful. But a sign of the time is the sense of yeah, well, you owed that to me anyways. That You should have been given that to me. That's being ungrateful, and that's a sign of the end of the times. Um, heartless, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. Now, there's a word. Have you ever experienced brutality? Have you ever seen brutality? I see brutality on the TV, on news, as often as I watch the news with these rioters that are going out and literally beating the mess out of anybody that opposes them and breaking windows and shattering business, small businessmen and women's dreams. That's brutal. That's a sign of the times. Not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. And then the Apostle Paul counsels Timothy and he says, avoid such people. Avoid them. Let them go. Get out of their way. All right? 
And so this is a sign that the end is coming. I'll tell you what, every single one of these words, I can think of a current example, a contemporary example right now in our country, in our city, in our state. But it says, Jesus says in verse 13 of Matthew 24, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. What do we do as we see all these signs appearing? We stand firm. We stand firm until the end and seal the deal on our salvation, on Jesus' salvation of our souls. That's why in Isaiah 7, 9 it says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you're not going to stand at all. So the Bible says the most valuable thing you have is your faith. It's, it's worth more than gold. Stand in your faith. Stand in your faith. And, and to stand firm means to never, ever, ever give up. I'm not going to give up on Jesus. Are you going to give up on Jesus? I'm not. I, I've come too far. He's brought me too far. Why would I go back to something that didn't work? I want what works. Jesus works. I'm going to stand firm until the end. I don't know about you. I pray that you do as well. The disciples... They were with Jesus, and Jesus said something. I'll let you read it for yourself in John 6. He said something, and all the crowds left Jesus. Can you imagine have thousands of people, you say one thing that doesn't settle with them right, and they all leave you? Put it in today's terms. You might have, you know, 10,000 followers on Instagram, you say one thing about Jesus and everybody dumps you and you don't have any following anymore. That's, that's close to what probably Jesus felt like. But you know what? His 12 disciples stuck with him. All these people turned around, walked away, disgruntled, unhappy. And Jesus turns to his disciples in John 6, 67. He says, um, you do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? And when you're tempted to turn your back on Jesus and go back to drugs, go back to alcohol, go back to a bad relationship, go back to your old life, you should, you should think to yourself and, and ask yourself the same thing that, that Peter said, where am I going to go to? Where am I, why would I go back to that? He said, you have the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. So stand firm. Hold on to your faith in Jesus. Don't let go. Don't let some little dumb doubt or some big fear keep you from moving closer to God. Stand firm as you see these signs occurring and taking place. Verse 14 of Matthew 24. This gospel, Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Those are big words. The whole world, all nations. What is a sign that Jesus is coming back soon? When every nation has heard about him. When the whole world has had the gospel preached to him. You know how close we are to that? We have reached almost every tongue every kindred every nation there's probably some tribes out there some remote corners of of the world that haven't heard about jesus but let me tell you what the gospel is moving forward and we want it to move forward fast for two reasons one 
We want to reach this world for Jesus too. We want Jesus to come back. So let's accelerate the gospel so that Jesus comes back all the quicker, all the faster. Because then Jesus says, when all of this has happened, the, 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 the gospel has been preached to the whole world, and then the end will come. <laughs> and then the end will come. Okay. Jesus, come back quickly. Let's pray. You know, Jesus, come back soon. Come back soon. But Jesus, don't come back too soon so that we leave those who don't know you without, within their ignorance. Lord, let us reach the lost for you. That's how, that's how we should be praying. So I'm going to read through just these last uh, paragraphs of this chapter in verse 15 of Matthew 24. So when you see standing in the holy place, now it's talking about the end times. This is what the end times are going to look like. All right. And you can be sure that we're not there yet. When you hear this description, you're going to say, yeah, we're not in the end times. This is what the end times look like. When you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand and let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. I'm going to pause there really quick. What is this abomination that causes desolation? You know what? I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Look it up in Daniel. Look it up in Daniel, and you'll begin to see that something horrible happens apparently in the temple of of Israel. Well, right now in in Jerusalem, right now there is no temple. It leads you to believe, to to think, and there's other scriptures that seems to indicate that that that, that temple is going to be rebuilt again. Sacrifices will be offered once again, but somebody comes into that temple and desecrates it by sacrificing something that's, that's detestable to the Jewish nation. There's all kinds of interpretations, but that, that's the way, that's my leaning. All right? So it goes on, it says, When this happens, let no one that's on the housetops go down and take anything out of the house. Let no one go back to the field to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant woman and the nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter on the Sabbath, for there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, never to be equaled again. What? Greater than World War II and the Holocaust? Greater than 50 million people in Russia who lost their lives for their faith and for dissenting against the government. Worse than that, worse than Noah when the flood came and wiped out the face of the world. Worse than that, yes, worse than all of those things. It says worse than unequal from the beginning of the world and never to be equaled again. This is going to be big time distress, something we could probably not even conceive of a horrible time in those days if those days excuse me had not been cut short no one would survive that's how bad this time is going to be but for the sake of the elect those days will be shortened praise god god's already looking at advance for his people and saying you know what I'm going to cut this short because it's going to be bad. I love them. I'm going to take care of them. You know what? God already does this for you. He goes ahead and says, your sickness is more than you're going to bear. I'm going to heal you. 
He cuts short the days of your distress. You don't have enough money. You're in the poorhouse. I'm going to cut short those days for you, and I'm going to provide for you. Your misery, your depression, I'm going to cut those days short for you, and I'm going to put a new mind in you and give you peace and comfort and love. God already does this. He cuts short the days of distress that we experience. At that time, anyone who says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. <laughs> there's there's going to be people before the end times who are claiming to be the Messiah, but during the end times, there will also be those who claim to be him. But look at this. There'll be false messiahs, false prophets that appear, performing great signs and wonders to deceive if possible, even the elect. These people are going to have miraculous powers. That is not the sign necessarily of a good Christian. Just because you can pray for somebody and see them healed does not necessarily mean that person is a person of character or even following the Lord Jesus Christ the way that they should. Don't be deceived simply by signs and wonders. You stick with what the Word of God says and what the Holy Spirit is speaking into your heart. Then Jesus says this in verse 25, Still in Matthew 24, it says, See, I have told you ahead of time. I've told you. I've warned you. I've put it in writing. The Bible has been sent out to the four winds. Here it is. This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like beforehand, and this is what the end times themselves look like. He says, so if anyone tells you, here he is out in the wilderness, do not go. If he's, he says, no, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe them. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, that's what this coming of the Son of Man will look like. No one will miss this, the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to be a sign in the sky, amen? For where there's a carcass... There the vultures will gather. What an interesting statement to throw this into this, <laughs> this point. But I think what Jesus was saying here is that if you follow these false teachers, you will attract to yourself the evil that comes with false teaching. If you go ahead and you sign up, you start buying into what a false teacher has to say, you can be sure that all the evil that comes without false teaching will come to you personally. And you don't want that. And it says, don't worry, we're almost done here. In verse 29, it says, immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. So this is after all that distress. The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and all the peoples of earth, of the earth, will mourn. There's actually a group of people that won't mourn. It'll be you and me. When we see Jesus coming, we will not mourn, but all the people of the earth will mourn. When they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds and uh, from one end of the heavens to the other. And we will be caught up. The Apostle Paul talks about this. We will be caught up in the air with him. He will come down. Not all the way down. We will be caught up with him and we will be with him forevermore. That's the hope. That's the blessing. That's what we're shooting for. That's what we live for. Praise God. That's why in 2 Timothy 4.8, the Apostle Paul talks to Timothy again. He says, for all of those that long for his appearing. 
We should long for Jesus' appearing. Praise God. So Jesus goes on in verse 34, 32, excuse me, now he says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all of these things, you know it is near right around the door. Praise God. In verse 35, he says, Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. I was uh, praying a, a while ago, just, shoot, just a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and I felt the Lord tell me, Steve, rely exclusively on my word. Exclusively on my word. And it was like, it was such an intimate, wonderful time of prayer that day that I had with the Lord and I felt so close to him. I felt like there's nothing dividing us. The, the only thing that I felt was missing there were my distractions. They were gone. It was just me and God just talking. And the Lord just made it as clear as day. I want you from this point forward, I want you to rely exclusively on my word. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never ever pass away what do we do as we see these signs coming oh my word this earthquake this this war persecution what's going on here i rely exclusively on the word of god and nothing else just the word of god i'm not going to read through the rest of these verses because we're running a little bit long but i will say in verse 42 of matthew 24 it says jesus says Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day your Lord will come. We know as we see these signs coming that it's coming nearer and nearer, but we don't know the day. We don't know the hour. These people that say Jesus is coming back in 2025 or excuse me, 2025 or he's coming back in 2050. No, you don't know. You haven't been reading your Bible. If you make that kind of a prediction, you don't know the day. He says, but keep watch. What do we do as we see all these signs? Keep watch. Do what Ephesians 6, 18 says. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. All kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. In verse 44 of Matthew 24. Now I'm kind of rushing through this. But he says, you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Be ready. Be prepared. Next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about three questions you will have to answer after you die. <laughs> and I, I'll just kind of leave it at that. But you've got to be prepared. Prepare yourself now for eternity. Be prepared. Be ready. Praise the Lord. So let me summarize just really quick. I've given you the signs. You can read them for yourself in Matthew 24. But what do we do about these signs? And let me remind you what we've covered this morning. First of all, do not let, do not allow your heart to be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. Just don't let it happen. Instead, rejoice. Be joyful. Enjoy every second of every day. Here's another way of saying it. Have fun godly fun but have fun in life and as you have fun in life you won't be troubled stay young stay youthful stay enjoyable do not let your heart be troubled you know how you can age really fast is if you're a warrior you won't be able to enjoy life 
But God wants you to enjoy life. The Bible says, I've given you everything for your enjoyment. Enjoy these few years that you have with your children, your family, or, or with your spouse, or, or with the health that you have, or with the ability to work. Enjoy life. Here's what else you can do as you see these signs coming. Never give up and stand firm. Never give up. Don't ever slide back into your old life, your old habits, your old, your, your old devices, the things that you hang on to and used to trust in. Let go of those things. Never give up on Jesus. Here's the next thing. Tell people about Jesus. Every opportunity. Tell people who Jesus is, what he does, how much he loves them, what he can do for them. Tell people. Spread the gospels to the four corners of the world. And start by doing that in your world. Spread the gospel in the four corners of your small segment of this world. Next, look forward to Jesus' appearing. I, I close my eyes sometimes and I picture Jesus coming back. It says, as, as you can see from lightning from in the east and you're in the west, you can see that lightning. That's what Jesus' return is going to be like. But bigger, greater. He's going to come back with his angels in clouds of glory. And I'm, I'm going to, all of a sudden, I'm going to look down at the ground. And the ground is going to be getting farther and farther away from me. And I'm going to say, I'm not going to look down at that ground. I don't, I don't want to go back there anymore. I'm going to start looking back up. And as I grow closer, I'm getting closer and closer to that glory of clouds and Jesus reaching his hand down towards me. And I'm going to be accepted right up into his glory forever. And the Bible says I will dwell in his house forever, worshiping forever. Praise God. Picture that. Look forward to Jesus' appearing and then rely exclusively on God's word. Don't rely on your employer your wife, your husband, your kids, your income, your health, your gifts, your talents, rely exclusively on the Word of God. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Listen to it. Watch it in action. And then lastly, stay spiritually alert. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep. Don't get lazy. Don't get apathetic. Don't not focus on God. Focus on God. Stay spiritually alert praise God well, let's pray heavenly father we thank you God because you don't you don't sugarcoat things for us you don't uh, lead us to believe that everything's gonna be perfect everything's gonna be fine if we did that we'd be severely disappointed but Lord God the reality is you've told us these things are going to happen and they must happen before Jesus's return Thank you, Heavenly Father, for forewarning us. You said, see, I've told you what's going to happen. Lord, so we shouldn't be surprised and angry with God when this happens or when that happens. Lord, it's a sign of your second coming. It's a sign of the end of the age. But thank you, God, also for not only telling us about this, but also telling us what we can do while we see these things coming and happening. Lord, to rejoice, oh God, to to, uh, to stay spiritually alert, Lord Jesus, to, to do these things that you encourage us to, to do, to, to, to rely exclusively on your word, oh God. 
Thank you, God, that you haven't left us orphans, Lord. You sent your Holy Spirit telling us, I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and honor you with long life. I will satisfy you and I will show you my salvation. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we're not alone. We're not empty either. Lord, you live inside of us. If, in fact, we've opened our hearts to you, Jesus, and invited you in. Lord, so I pray for every person, Lord, who might be looking at the current events of our world and saying, oh, my word, what's going on? Lord, what's going on is we're getting closer and closer to the day of Jesus Christ, to the day when his kingdom is established, Lord, forever. You'll wipe away every tear from our eye. Lord, you'll heal every disease. Lord, you'll give us, you've already given us eternal life, but we'll enter into eternal life forever with you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, for that person who's listening, Lord, that wants to double check their salvation. Lord, we say, yes, God, save me right now. Take hold of my hand. Save me, my God. Lord, the the word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For that person right now who's listening and needs God's salvation, God's rescue, maybe they're sick, maybe they're alone. God, maybe they're broke. Lord, here's what we do. We call on the name of Jesus. Say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, provide for me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, save me. And you will save us, Lord God. You'll say, I experienced it this week. I cried out for salvation and you saved me, Lord God. You rescued me for the thousandth time, Lord God. We worship you. We bless you, Lord God. So, Lord God, take us, use us, bless us, I pray. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, for it. In your name I ask it. Amen.